Um, kids, want to come up here in these front two to start? Come on up, if you're kids. Family service. Come on up and sit up here in the front two rows. Excellent. Daisy? Pearl, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Come on. Come on up. Okay. Pearl, you coming up? No. Okay, who knows? Kids, who knows the difference between needs and wants? Needs and wants. Norm. Excellent, excellent. So, needs, Nora said, needs are something you need to survive, and wants are something you want to play with, like a toy. And that is a perfect way to talk about needs and wants. So, I brought a bag of needs, and I thought we'd talk about it for a second, and why these are needs and not wants. So, the first one, water. Why is this a need? Carter? It helps hydrate. Hydrate? That's right. Water. We, we can't live without water, can we? The body is made up of water, and without water, we can't live. And we drink it. That's right. And hopefully not spill it like chocolate milk in the morning all over <laughs> Yeah, me told chocolate milk too many, yes? I tell Noah that all the time. <laughs> food. Why do we need food? Right. If we don't have food, we'll be very hungry, and if we don't get any food, what would happen? We would die. We couldn't live without food either. So needs, water, food we need. Let's see what else we have. What are these? Clothes. Clothes. Why do we need clothes? Because you wear them. That's right. You wear them. And Yes, and that's a beautiful dress. And what would happen if it was really cold out and you didn't have clothes? You'd be freezing. Yeah, right? So so clothes are sort of a form of shelter. Because I know there's parts of the world where maybe you don't need clothes all the time, but clothes are shelter, right? And we have another form of shelter, which is, this is a picture. What's this a picture of? A house. Now, not everyone needs a house. Some of us live in houses, some of us live in apartments, some of us... Yeah, that's right. And some of us live in trailers, and but a house is shelter, and we all need shelter, right? Because shelter protects us from the weather and from other things. So everyone needs shelter. Everyone needs shelter. What else do I have? Money. Money. Why do we need money? To buy stuff. To buy the things we need. The water, and the food, and the clothes, and the shelter. Okay, and the last need that's in this bag, this is a little. That's right, you have to pay with money. You can't just walk in the store and get chocolate milk, right? No, you have to pay for it. And this last one's a little tricky, but I think you'll still understand it. So, yes, knowledge or education. That's right, Byron. That's what the book stands for: is education. So, why do we need to be educated? Why? What's important about? 
Exactly. That's really good because when we learn different things, we can learn how to work and to do things that will help us make some money, which will help us do these things. So without being educated, it's really difficult to survive as well. So that's wonderful. So these are needs and then wants are everything else. Now, here's the thing. Most of us do not have everything we want, right? Most of us do not have everything we want. I don't have everything I want. There's a lot of things I still want that I don't have. But most of us here have everything we need. We need. Right? Yeah. But here's the thing. Some people don't have everything they need. They just don't have everything they need. Some people in our city don't have a house. They don't have money. They have very little food, if any. Very little clothes, if any. Very little shelter. Except that they don't have any money to buy. You see, this is why there's a lot of people that just don't have the basic needs. Some people in our city are homeless. They don't have a shelter to go to at night. Or if they go to shelter, it's it's a big room that a lot of other people are in just trying to get off the streets and have a bed. You can't. See, it's really hard because if they don't have money to buy the wood to build the house. And this is what happens to a lot of people in the city. I know. So, here's the thing. This is why Henry read us this passage in the Bible. And this passage in the Bible told us... Actually, that's probably not it, Jesse. Hold on one second, right? I've got another scripture there. Do I? Yeah, okay. Leave that one for a second. So, the passage in the Bible that Henry read us said something very simple. It said, when we help people, it's like helping God. It's like helping Jesus. It's something God wants us to do. This is the way God wants us to live. Helping others. Caring for each other, and especially those people that don't have what they need. The Bible says a lot about helping people that don't have what they need. Here's some examples of what the Bible says. This one being a very powerful one for us Christians. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I'm just going to make a quick side note to the adults, okay? You know, we talk a lot here, is the Bible should be read indicatively or imperatively. And our Greek minds want to read it imperatively, and that's why we put a bunch of rules on people and say, you have to do this and you have to do this. But the Bible, again, is a book written by Hebrews. God's trying to explain to us an indicative thing. That's why verses like this are so frightening. Because it's an indication of the love of God in us, or not. If we see a brother or sister in need and have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in us? Frightening verse. Which is why I believe a lot of us in the West have turned to a different form of Christianity because we can get around verses like this. We don't have to read them honestly. We can just go back to, oh no, Christianity is just about knowing the right things and being correct all the time and having the right doctrines. Yet, right here, St. John, who lived with Jesus, said, how can the love of God be in you if you feel no pain for those in need? That's a powerful verse. What's another one, Justin? Paul wrote to First Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 
You guys learned about sharing in school and at home. Sharing, right? You share. Did you share your chocolate milk this morning with your sister? No. Oh, she had a Roman cup. So you didn't get to share it, But if she was only one, you would have shared it, right? Okay. In this way, they will lay a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What else do we have from the Bible, Justin? Deuteronomy. So this is way back. This is Moses. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. And, you know, side note, I'm just talking to the parents really quickly. You know, a lot of us, and I'm not saying any of us here, I'm just, it, it's important to constantly be thinking about our Christianity. Because I've often heard people teach the Bible as though whenever it's talking about helping those in need, it's just other Christians. But then that's dangerous because we all have the way we define other Christians. But here, God says to them, everyone in your country, everyone in your nation, which, and we know God's kingdom went beyond the Israelites to eventually include the whole world. And then in Job, Job, who, according to God, was the most righteous man that ever lived, I rescued the poor who cried for help from the fatherless who had none to assist them. Justine. Prophet Isaiah. So, this is God talking. Is this is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? And everyone that's human is our flesh and blood. Go ahead, Justin. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. That's one of those terrifying proverbs. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Again, a good indication of where we're at. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with and back to 1st John. So, today, you can see that there are plenty examples in the Bible that God wants us as Christians to live helping others. So we're going to do a project this morning, while the parents and I continue to talk for about five minutes. Mrs. Otino's here, and she's going to help with this project. And what we're going to do, before we get up, let me explain to everyone what, what you're doing up here. We're going to make care kits for the poor in our city. So who's ever been in the car with mom or dad or walking on the city street and has seen someone holding a sign asking for food? Who's seen that, right? Right. And right here in Worcester, there's a lot of people like that in, in the city. So I have a friend who has another church in the city. He's a pastor. And his church has been doing this for a while. They make these care kits and they give them to these folks when they see them. And these care kits have some of the basic needs that we all have as, as, as human beings. And so in these care kits, this is a way that we can help others the way God wants us to help others. So what the kids are going to do right now, community, is they're going to make 50 of these care kits. Okay? What I'm going to ask us is at the end of the service, take three or four, keep them in your car, 
Well, and when you're out and you happen to be at that red light and that person's looking you straight in the eyes and you're and and you legit have nothing on you because all we use is plastic these days and now you'll have something on you and it's yeah. a care kit that you can give them and and my pastor friend who has done this and actually the other day I gave one of the guys he's a he's a he's a constant presence at the under the underpass where we go to Best Buy. And um, I got a Burger King card. And just pure joy. Pure joy. It was better than giving them money. So, my pastor said that's been doing this and has given a lot of these things away only one time. Was he not, was it not received well? So parents, just know that. So if you have to have that conversation, there might be someone that doesn't receive it well. But that's always also an indication of what level of need there is. Um, and so I want to encourage you again, at the end of the service, the kids are going to come up and make these with Mrs. Otino. And so, Joe, I think the best thing to do is we, we uh, what, what's going in these, just so everyone knows, is we're going to take a big Ziploc bag, there's going to be a granola bar, a toothpaste, a vitamin water, hand sanitizer, tissues, and a toothbrush. And that's going to go in. And then take those and, and have them in your cars to give these care kits out. And also I'd encourage you, too, once you have them in your families, one of the things I'll... I'll get like a Dunkin' Donuts card and put it in with it if you want. And the other thing, the homeless church here in Worcester is always requesting is white socks. socks. So feel free to grab a pair of new socks and throw them in as well. It seems that the homeless are really, really interested. So I think what Ms. Otino is going to do is, is get the kids up. You're going to sort of sit down and each of you or two of you are going to be responsible for one thing. And then we'll come through. Do we have everything? Yep, there's, we have everything we need. So, uh, there's more vitamin water here, there's vitamin water there, there's granola bars, these are toothbrushes. And I know that there's some of these toothbrushes came from toothpaste, but still give them that too. Do you know what I mean? So don't be confused by that. And I'm gonna continue. So come on up, kids, and I'm gonna talk to the parents for a few minutes while you guys are working on the care kits. Then we're gonna watch another video together, and then we're gonna close in prayer. That's all right, Byron. That a boy. Stretch out. Thanks. Okay, so I, I just, just, just really quickly, just to wrap up for for us at our at, at where we're at during my studies over the last couple of weeks preparing for this Sunday. One of the things that the Holy Spirit really impressed on my heart as I was reading this chapter over and over and over again, Matthew 25, is this interesting detail. God doesn't seem to care why the people are poor, sick, thirsty, in prison. And what I mean by that is not that He doesn't care about the great grotesque inequalities in this world. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is that he gives no qualifiers as to what poor person or what sick person or what imprisoned people make the grade to warrant our help. There are no qualifiers. And it really blew my mind as I was thinking about this. See, he doesn't say, and only those people who are poor 
because they lost everything in a natural disaster, are worth our help. He doesn't say only those people falsely imprisoned are worth our help. And I'm only yelling because of the noise factor. I just want to make sure. Everybody... I know sometimes I yell. But right now, this is just my coaching voice you guys can hear. And he doesn't say, if someone is sick because of their own choices, then you do not have to help them. It's really fascinating as you read Matthew 25. And I think this is very important for all of us to come to terms with as individuals. If we're going to call ourselves Christians. Because see, we can be so quick to judge others and find reasons not to help. But to hear the only reason God seems to give for helping is the fact of their condition, regardless of how they got there. You know, Mr. Kozlowski works with youth in prison. Youth incarcerated. So, just I want you to think about this for a second. They're there because they should be. They're not falsely imprisoned. They're paying their debt to society. They're criminals. But Paul is loving them. Because God said, love the prisoners. Yes, we should care about people imprisoned falsely as well. But prisoners, by definition, have a problem. God didn't say so. Forget about them. They're bad people. In fact, he identified with them so closely, he said, if you visit a prisoner, you're visiting me. And I think this is important for many reasons. Obviously, we need to get help. Right? That's that's Matthew 25. Get helping. That's the whole Bible. I mean, I picked out ten, ten references. The whole Bible is filled with helping us from the very beginning. So we need to get helping. But the reason I think this detail is so important for us, this is consistent with understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I referenced when we were doing communion. We did nothing to be worthy of the help God gave us, and we remain unworthy of that help. And this is the rub. This is so important. Because sometimes it's so easy to think that we get so good at being Christians that God actually loves us because we're worthy. And that's smoke and mirrors. That's a false gospel. You know what that is? That's airline advertising. Airlines do this. They love this. One-way flight to Chicago, 69 bucks. Phew. I want one of those. Okay, well, taxes and fees, 172 Bags, another 150 The $69 flight is suddenly $387. Don't make the gospel smoke and mirrors. Don't tell someone that Jesus loves them no matter what when they're not a Christian, and as soon as they become a Christian, that story changes. God's not into smoke and mirrors, and He doesn't run airlines. None of us are ever worthy of the love He gives us. Can our relationship with God be more intimate and more passionate and more wonderful when we're living the way He wants us to live? I believe that. But that's normal. My wife and I have a better relationship when we're living the way we're supposed to live as husband and wife. That's not abnormal. But that's a far cry from saying he's not worthy of God's love and she is. 
And that's what's so damaging when this table gets turned into a barrier to God. So, along with this false theology that I think is dangerous, I think at some level, this is why we don't help others. Because at some level, we think everyone should be worth our worth our help if we're going to help them. It's a subconscious thing, but we think that. And when they're not, then we don't offer help. And listen, this can be seen in areas far beyond just helping the poor. We don't fight for injustice because we judge people or groups of people as unworthy of justice. I mean, we don't fight against justice because we judge them as unworthy of it. We don't offer forgiveness because we don't think people deserve our forgiveness. We don't offer grace because they're not worth it, etc., 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 etc. And on it goes. And you all know the things your mind tells you. After the Orlando shootings, the things I heard Christians say made me embarrassed to call myself a Christian. It was the most atrocious things I've ever heard simply because of the victims of that shooting and their lifestyle. How is that Christian? The shootings in Orlando were no more grotesque and disturbing as the shootings at the Connecticut Elementary School years ago. And yet Christians decided, oh no, they don't deserve our help and our sympathy. What? How is that the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't get it. But this is why we judge and we stop helping others. And we rationalize that judgment. And I read Matthew 25 and all of a sudden I'm seeing no qualifiers. I'm thinking, oh Lord, forgive me. The heart of the gospel is grace can't be deserved or it's not grace. That's the point. It's not grace. That's alright. You can slow down. We'll figure it out. Mrs. Otino's got it. We'll get 50 made. It's going to be awesome. You can't offer people forgiveness who don't need to be forgiven. And you can't love your enemies if they're not enemies. Everyone deserves justice, whether they live accordingly or not, just as everyone deserves the basic human needs, regardless of how they came not to have them. So, we were at the Holocaust Museum this week, my son and I and my wife. And I could write a whole book to explain the depth of that experience, and while it might not seem to have any connection to this topic, I think it does. For the moment we judge others as not worth, the moment we judge others as not worth, not worth our help, our assistance, our protection, whatever it is, not worth, the moment we judge others as not worth, for any reason, we take a step towards Holocaust. And that is not an overstatement. 
Listen. Ideas quickly become emotions, and emotions quickly become actions. We tell our kids this all the time. You are not responsible for the thoughts that come into your head. You're not. The human mind is capable of putting thoughts in our heads, right? Anyone that's old enough here knows that you could just be riding along and all of a sudden you have a thought that is like, oh my gosh, where did that thought come from? You're not responsible for that. You're responsible for what you do with it. And you know how we talk about here all the time, why do we talk about forgiveness and grace? Because what we think about a lot becomes eventually an emotion and emotion becomes an action. And when we give credence to any of these ideas about judging others, they become emotions. And when those emotions get high enough, they become actions. And I know if you're like me, you've driven by some of these people on street corners and been uh, lazy bums, drunks. That thought is probably never going to lead you to drive around the city killing homeless people. I understand that. But here's the danger of that thought. You give that thought credence, it will lead to emotion. And then when you find someone else that has given that thought credence and it leads to emotion, now the emotions are stronger and all of a sudden there's a whole group of people with the same emotion, Holocaust. I walked through this museum this week and sure, the third level and the second level and the first level, you had to be inhuman. You have to be walking dead to walk through there and not feel emotions on those levels. You can't watch little ones being killed in cold blood. You can't read about 35,000 patients, either mentally or physically disabled, at one hospital in one year being killed and not feel horrible. But that's not what devastated me about this museum. What devastated me about this museum was level four, the first level. 1930s Germany, the rise of Adolf Hitler. Because I went through that floor, and you take away his name, and you take away the knowledge of what that became, and you just listen to why Hitler came to power, and it's every society in this world. And things I have thought myself. Because the second someone is unworthy, and we create enough emotions around that pop. I learned this week that if I had been born in 1925 Germany or 1920, I would have been part of the Nazi party. God died to save us all, and all of us were not worth it. Jesus was very clear. You know, people always say to me, Dave, why do you never talk about God's judgment? I don't talk about God's judgment because I believe no one has to experience it. That's the beauty of grace. So I talk about why you don't have to experience it. 
I'll talk about God's judgment today because this is the only time Jesus talked about God's judgment. It's very clear. There will be a judgment. We will all be judged. And it will be based on what we did to the least of these. So, I really hope the words of Jesus in our text today will inspire all of us to look on others with compassion and not judgment. And be moved to help others with our time, our finances, our prayers. Our prayers are so important. Without prayers, there never would have been a Dietrich Bonhoeffer. There never would have been all these beautiful people. Finally, there was hope at the end of the museum. These hundreds and hundreds of people that finally realized what is going on and gave their lives to save just one child or one person. We can all be those people because that's what prayer does. It changes our lives when we're praying to be like God. And I hope we can be moved by the Holy Spirit to love all who need it, not just those we think deserve. That's my prayer for all of us as a community. Let's watch this video together while the kids are finishing up. Sam, do we have sound? Oh.